If anyone's having connection problems, it's Jesse. That feels like a lie, Zencaster. Yeah, you're currently frozen on my screen. <laughs> right, it's not fucking going anywhere. <laughs> All right, yeah. Uh, the problem up here is that it is windy and also there are uh, other people. So I'm going to be a weirdo uh, talking into a podcast microphone because this is... Uh, it, the signal is sure as hell clear up here. Um, and only Britt and Jordan will get to see the view behind me uh, as I... Uh, prepare to Very officially start this show uh, that that we are going to do. It is lovely city of New York, uh, as I am here in Brooklyn and keeping the microphone pointed at my face. Uh, that is how we record a podcast <laughs> as I gingerly sit down with the laptop and uh, try to hope that the neighbors in this apartment building don't mind me recording. From the rooftop. Well, you know. What I have to ask you guys before we begin is, uh, did you see today the uh, Bleacher Report walk-off ranking of the top 10 rookies in Major League Baseball? I did not, but I am concerned already. Yeah, I'm, I'm concerned. Okay. <laughs> oh, good. Yes. We have, Glad we have to hear it. See. And you are hearing the sound. Of oh, that was Arizona. a good one. That was a good one. Thank you. That is the sound of the Arizona Extra Sweet tropic, uh, Tropical 30th Anniversary uh, Celebration Flavor. It is extra sweet, they say, and we will see right Tropical now. like a popsicle? I I cannot even express yeah, to you how jealous I am. Oh, see, I I just, I, I, don't, I don't engage in bodega discourse because I feel like it's pointless. Um, yeah. However. No good can come of it. No good could come of it, right? However, this is one instance where I am very jealous because uh, your Arizona selection is just unmatched. Like you find flavors that I didn't know existed. I I did not know that. I, I mean, Chopsicle is new; it's an anniversary flavor, so it's uh, it's out there now. That's Britt from the internet. I'm Jesse from the internet. Also with us tonight, Jordan from the internet. Hi, Jordan. Hi, hi, Jesse. How are you? How's your Arizona selection uh, further down the East Coast? But now I'm like, now I, I gotta go check for the next time I'm on the podcast. I wanna like, I wanna see if I can come up with a more obscure Arizona than you. Right. Look, I love Arizona, but my grocery store there's like five flavors, and it's the five everyone knows. Like you can get regular tea, you can get lemon tea, you can get raspberry tea, you can get green tea, uh, and you could usually get like the strawberry lemonade. Honestly, though, my favorite's the just the watermelon watermelon one. That one's a good one. The watermelon one is good. My brother likes the watermelon one, but he usually buys that in like the vat, like the gallon jug or whatever. Yeah, I need to find it in the gallon jug. I, look, the gallon Arizona jug is, is often at the supermarket, but again, yes. I'm speaking from the home of Arizona, New York City. <laughs> because why not? <laughs> Isn't it it's in New York. I, it might, like... You know, as a podcast not sponsored by Arizona IC, uh, this is Yet. something that I feel like we should know. And 
first of all, I type in Arizona into Wikipedia, and the first thing that comes up is Arizona, U.S. state, followed by. You may want to guess what's next. Oh, is it like fucking Kirsten Cinema or some shit? No, it's uh. Okay, that's less painful. Though. Jordan, Jordan, you got a guess here? <laughs> Typing Arizona into Wikipedia. It's the second entry after Arizona, the U.S. state. Um. The Arizona Diamondbacks. They are fourth on this uh, is list. It the, is it the USS Arizona? Like the ship? Uh, nope, not listed. We also have okay. on this list Arizona SB 1070, the uh, border security legislation. Arizona Coyotes in at number five. Arizona Cardinals at number three. Okay. And at number two, the most Wikipedia thing, uh, or at least the most algorithm me wikipedia thing <coughs> most frequent wikipedia is an honest and on the up and up organization yeah. arizona state university oh i love it i love it the the newest the soon to be newest member of uh the best conference in college hockey yeah. that is correct arizona ice tea headquarters is in woodbury new york that is long island i believe Founded in Brooklyn, 1992. Yeah, Woodbury's in Nassau County. There's a wood something that's upstate where they got a mall and whatnot. Anyway, uh, I, I we've we've done a little warm up there with that Arizona uh, that Arizona game. Um, Major League Baseball rookie rankings by. Joel Reuter of uh, ER Walk Off here. Uh, I'm just going to ask you guys to name some rookies and you know see see where like, they land just, on this list. Just, okay, but r- rookies rookies who might be, be on, on a, that list. A top ten MLB rookies this year. I mean, Ellie De La Cruz is like the obvious one right now. Okay, you guys stuck. are not freezing on this. Really My feed has frozen. He's, that he's is stuck again. We lost Jesse. <laughs> that is bad. Oh, no. Oh, no. Come back. I'm going to get a good <laughs> screenshot of his, of his face. Uh, shit. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So now it's the, it's the Britain Jordan podcast. Um, yeah. So I have successfully not been hit by a bus. I've come down off the roof of the apartment building where I grew up, and I'm doing the most Brooklyn thing I can possibly do. Derogatory, twenty-first century version. Um, oh I am walking through the streets with an open laptop and podcasting with my friends, so as not to. Uh, Make them just stare at a blank picture of my face for any longer than they had um, to. Uh, um, we can also continue walking around Brooklyn podcasting. Yeah. It's a, it's <laughs> like I just that's the punchline. I don't have anything else to say. You're gonna you're gonna run into su- the the punchline is him walking directly into someone who's also doing the same thing. <laughs> him walking into like one of the oh what's 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 the big what's one of the big podcasts. 
like the Pod Save America dudes or something. No, 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 no. Like one of the big, like, oh, I can't remember. I don't know. I know Vice's headquarters. He's going to walk into one of the Chapo guys. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it, it's going to be oh. Jesse's going to end up on Chapo by accident. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. Me madder than I already am. Oh. <laughs> So, yeah, it has not gone according to plan today or tonight, but uh, I still am mad from this afternoon, and I'm not sure where we cut off previously, and I certainly have not gone back to listen to that quite yet. Uh, You were asking us about the Bleacher Report and rookies. Yeah, you told us to name some rookies. Okay, and at, at that exact moment, it, it froze up for me. So there you go. Uh, I have now We're found on the same a, page, non, a non-threatening bench um, where uh, there are not people here. Right, there are a whole bunch of helicopters flying around, more than I would say is a usual amount of helicopters. <laughs> more than is strictly necessary. So here we are from from Brooklyn. Um, Ready to guess some rookies. Um, I'm ge- I'm gonna guessing rookies. Grayson Rodriguez. There you go. Grayson Rodriguez. Yep, good choice. He's uh, he's on the Orioles, right? <laughs> he is. Yes. Yeah, he's he not on this list. Okay, but in the vein of Orioles, uh, Gunnar Henderson. Number six. Okay, I'll take it. And shockingly, shockingly, that feels roughly accurate-ish. Probably a a little low, but it doesn't feel egregious. I honestly couldn't remember if he was actually technically still a rookie or not, so. Is Corbin Carroll still, does does he still have rookie eligibility or did he get bummed out last year? He is number one on this list. I don't hate that. That's fine. Yeah, he's, he's doing really well. So, um, This is second half rookie rankings. Uh, oh, Patrick Bailey. Patrick Bailey. Nope. Show, show me. Uh, I already hated Bleacher Report, but now they're fired. Mm-hmm. Um, did, is, is Ellie De La Cruz on there? Hell no. Um, this is about, just getting silly now. Oh, what about the other? What about the other Reds rookie? Um, Who else is even fucking left? Um, Christian Encarnacion Strand. No, he got called up like a week ago, though. Okay, fair. I, I'm assuming that they are not on top of shit. If they don't have Ellie the Cruz on this list, they are not on top of shit enough to have acknowledged what have ha- what has happened in the past. I'm going to say boss. There are three Cincinnati Reds on this list. But none of them. Wait. I don't know that I can name three Reds. (laughs) I just watched the Reds for four games, and I don't know that I can name three Reds that aren't Ellie De La Cruz. Uh, Spencer Steer. Oh, there you go. Um, um, I'll give you the other two reds here. Matt, Matt McClain, McClain is at number seven. 
Yep. Uh, okay. Um, and the other one is Double uh, A. A-A. Again, I don't even know if I know that many. Red right. Rabbit? Andrew <laughs> Abbott. Sorry, I'm not necessarily Red's be- uh, baseball reference now, so I'm kind of cheating. Okay. I'd say considering that I literally watched the Reds it, over the past four days, I'm a little mad at myself that I didn't think of any of those, but... Um, oops. Francisco Alvarez? I got... And that's why I'm big mad. No Alvarez. Francisco Alvarez... Not on the list. Like, okay, so I'm sorry. Francisco Alvarez, Ellie Dio Cruz, and Patrick Bailey are some kind of egregious oversights. If if allegedly this is like rookies to watch or whatever for the second half. It it just like, says presumably that is, rankings. Is it is it so, one of those one that's like done by AI? I was just gonna say, is this not actually written by the person whose byline is on it? I'm looking this up. No, no, this is written by an actual dude. And Ellie De La Cruz is in the headline. So they know he exists. So, like, what is the conceit of this list, then? I don't understand. I'm I'm seeing it now. This is a weird... I mean, okay, Senga, Yoshida, I barely consider them rookies. Right. I mean, that's the whole ongoing debate of, like, does that count, really? But Josh Elliott... 23. The disrespect. The Josh disrespect. Young, Josh Young. Yuri oh, Perez. Yeah, yeah. Josh Young. Yuri Perez. Yenier Canel. Okay, that makes sense. He's like, he's got like a less than one whip as a reliever. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I'm not mad at that. But the fact that the that, <coughs> that one of the Reds is not Ellie De La Cruz is like yeah, that's just like that's the fact that you're silly. watching the Reds, but but like, not you, like the right Reds. Right, right. You're acknowledging this team that like right. it's pretty easy to not pay attention to like, theoretically. Just like all the white guy Reds, you've just completely lost lost the trail because it's also the article is linking back to. Previous, like it mentions, you know, previous rankings, um, and you know, here in in the bottom, he's got, you know, uh, Ellie De La Cruz previous rank not ranked. So it's it's this mentality of drop Francisco Alvarez from five to seventeen. I don't get it. Um, listing Patrick Ellie Bailey De La Cruz as. Not that I really as, as shortstop third base when he also plays was just making stat cast highlights with his outfield arm. Right. Or no, that was a cutoff play, wasn't it? He has but he does play the outfield too. He's robbed a homer. Like he's Superman. But it just not, it's just not ranked previously, so it's well, uh, and this is the thing. Like I'm if you want to say not ranked previously, like, okay, fine. If the last ranking was before he got called up or something, okay. Yeah. But, like, if you're going to do multiple rankings, isn't the point to reflect the current status of things, then? I, I mean, 
They're saying he doesn't have. This is so weird. Yeah, and that is a good reminder that college football season is just around the corner. College football season is just around the corner. As as evidence, and wait, also please kill me. SEC Media Day is happening, and just the joyous content that came out of that, and also uh, sending me back to, as I sent you guys before the show, um, I've been spending my depression energy this week um, putting the F1 theme song with various other TV clips, or putting various other TV theme songs over the F1 video intro package. Um, In this case, the F1 theme over the intro to the 2019 LSU-Alabama game, which... Yeah, that was was pretty solid, I'm not going to lie. Worked amazing. Um, That's, like, one of my favorite ones so far. And and I'm very um, Ben Wyatt, Cones of Dunshire, with this right now. Um, (laughs) So, oh God! But there, there's two things that jumped out to me about that, and one of them is well, three things actually. One of them is that 2019 is fucking four years ago already. That's insane. Mm, no, don't like that. Don't like that. Um, but also this this video package includes um the following players. Uh, I will play it again. Um. Just, just here to watch it for myself. Um, here the theme going. Joe Burrow. Tua Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Devontae Smith. Justin Jefferson. Jerry Judy. Those are the stars who are in this game. Not mentioned, Jamar Chase. And it's not like not like Jamar Chase wasn't first team All America that year. No, like that, you can't even say like, oh well, they didn't know yet. Like, oh no, they do. They definitely do. Clyde Edwards Hilaire was there, and he was awesome in college. Like he's decent in the pros, but he was freaking awesome in college. Oh, he was he was and a beast. Justin in Jefferson is maybe the one receiver on the planet who's better than Jamar Chase. Yeah. Pretty much. So like, if, if you're picking three from each side, that's nuts. Najee Harris yeah. is not featured for Alabama. Yeah, that is a little... Also on that field, Trayvon Diggs and Grant Delpit. Yeah, I. this is another one of those where I'm like, I want to be behind the scenes in the decision-making process of this because I just want to know what those discussions looked like. As I someone... Think- Oh, go ahead. As someone who, please do, George. Uh, as someone who used to work in, uh, a, for a little bit, uh, sports TV, it was, um, I have no, I honestly, I honestly do not know who, so half the time, like, why they pick certain people for certain things. It's just like, it's just like a, it's just like a thing they do. I mean, having having worked in content production of one variety or another, 
in very lots of not in sports, but in lots of industries. I'm just going to assume that it probably is kind of like what I have had happen before, which is that you've just got the one person who's not going to agree with you on anything. And so you just sort of let them have their pick and then everybody else deals with everything else. So you've got like the six guys that everybody else in the room agrees on. And then like the one asshole and you're like, yeah, fine. You can have the fucking place kicker or whatever. Like, you can get your weird thing if it will shut you up and we can be done with this project. I think that there might be another explanation um, in this case with it being a CBS game and them needing kind of identical shots for their package of, of the players to you know, get them in the same place and make it look uh, yeah. uniform. Yeah. Is, is that they probably were like, we need three guys from to to say to each school, like, just give us three. And Jamar Chase was younger. Right. So in that, from that standpoint, yeah, LSU is going to send Justin Jefferson, who's more, you know, accomplished at that point. And, you know, right. and goodness, like Edward Solaire, who had been there too. Um, so that part might make sense. But, but also <laughs> that it was number two LSU at number three Alabama. You know who was number one? Is Ohio State? Nope. It takes a minute. Yep. Oh, <laughs> shit. That's because Clemson. Trevor Lawrence at Clemson? Oh, that, how far Clemson has fallen. <laughs> defending champion with Trevor Lawrence <laughs> about to get the Break speed off him by LSU. Just um, oh god, that is really. They funny, were the though. champs, and they still had Trevor Lawrence. They came in number one, and they stayed number one because you can't move like because that's that's how polls work. <laughs> right. That I I the fact that it is four years ago is kind of what makes the perspective of it a little more fun. Of like, yeah, we knew at the time like. The, the stuff that LSU was doing on the field was outrageous. And, you know, like, Joe right. Burrow was completing every pass he threw, and, you know, we know why. Um, but, like, seeing all of those dudes become, like, not just NFL players, but, like, huge-ass football stars. Like, right. That... Well, I, and it's... It's it's wild too because even in the best college programs, think about how high the attrition rate is. Like, how many really really good, like Power Five is a name is shortlisted for all the awards. Guys, have you watched show up in the NFL and just wilt, like just collapse like a flan in a cupboard, like nothing. I can. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. I, I, I got it. I remember. I remember like when like Trent Richardson was super hyped up. Oh my god! Yeah, and that well, and that's sort of the the extra thing about the fact that college football kinds of kind of is its own minor leagues, and so it's very much like when you're out of college, it's like sink or swim, buddy. Have fun. Like figure it out. There's there's very little in the way of like, well, we'll send it down to AAA, and you can get your feet back under you. 
Like well, if you're lucky, you'll hang on a practice squad for a little while, but like that's a very short leash. I think it it speaks to the short shelf life of just a football player. Yeah. That the the minor league system is kind of how college is developing now. Like you know, Jalen Hurts went to Alabama, went and developed into a freaking superstar at Oklahoma. Right. Like, you know, learning the we've talked about this before during football season, just the value for a, if you're a quarterback pro prospect going to another school to pick up another offense to have you more ready for the pros. Right. Um, Having, especially like, if you can transfer someplace that has a different style offense. So you're suddenly in a very different scheme, learning a very different playbook. Yeah. Bo Nix is, and, and, you know, Michael Penix Jr. They could both be in the NFL for 15 years backups. No problem. Um, so that's cool. Um, but the, the Jalen Hurts thing also reminds me. Um, Danny Ricardo back back in the saddle. Danny um, Rick. And because you were not here on our recording last night, this is now Thursday night, our last recording was Wednesday night. Um, so even if Britt wanted to, she could not have listened to it by now because it has not been posted as of this moment. So there's no way for you to know that, that Jordan should be the one to tell you about Jordan. So go ahead, please. Well, we did talk about this a little bit while we were... Because uh, that, that's yeah. how we got into the conversation about or, about uh, the color orange. Yeah. Because the, the McLaren orange, the papaya, is a little... I don't hate it, but it's a little weird. Yeah, it's not it's not the best orange. So it it is just a little bit Tennessee is now that I think about it. No. I got rid of it. Where's this it? Let's see. This week's episode of Not a Football Podcast nope. is brought to you by Home Sweet Stop. Oh, and I got rid of it forever. That's too bad. Sorry, that is old commercial for Not a Football Podcast. I thought you might have been Rocky Top. Not the case. Okay. I need to build a better soundboard that includes oh, no. Rocky Top. Oh god, can we uh, can we not can we get something new? Can can I be tormented with some other awful college football song for a while? Yes. Can we can we like get a country roads or something? I just I can't do Rocky Top again. I actually love Rocky Top, honestly. I don't oh, like Tennessee, god. but I do like Rocky Top. <sighs> always be home sweet home to me. And that's uh, <laughs> that's bad. So, but me, oh. that, that shade of orange, the tangerine, uh, the mango, the uh, other tropical fruit. Um, I, I've heard about this during last week's race, and I've heard people talk about it, and now I've read about it as well. Um, but I still have no idea what it actually means, and I'm not going to pretend. Uh, like I'm too smart to ask questions when I don't know things. What are these McLaren upgrades that people are like? Oh yes, they're much better now. They got upgrades. Like what? They, they got a new well, person who knows how to make cars fast, or what? I mean, kind of. You're they, you're allowed to basically fuck around with the car. Um, kind of. As, I don't want to say as much as you want. 
there are limitations on how many parts you use and what gets swapped out when. And there are some things you can't like it, there's restrictions, but you can theoretically do a lot of upgrading and reconfiguring over the course of the season. So there are times when, and I do think McLaren has done, has taken advantage of this so far that sometimes you start the season and you're like, Oh, this car is not working the way we thought it was going to be based in testing. So uh, we're going to go to plan B. And so you'll say, okay, well, we're going to reconfigure whatever it is. I mean, it kind of depends on the, the situation, but there, there have been times when there have been pretty significant, significant differences um, based on these sort of in-season upgrades. It's kind of like the engineering uh, trade deadline where... <laughs> Like you go into the season thinking this is the car, but when the car doesn't work the way you want it to, or something changes or you realize like, Oh, maybe I do have a shot at whatever that like, Oh, maybe now, now the car's going to look a little different partway through. Okay. Cause I was thinking like, maybe there was like some kind of performance boost that you could hit. Like, um, <laughs> no, yeah, it, it's not it, like so a, we're, we're going to give you like a little extra, a, a little extra happy time. Uh, yes. Now, you McLaren, got more DRS because we think you're cool, <laughs> right? Um, and it is also the kind of thing where sometimes they'll do it in stages, like. Uh, like McLaren did it over the course of a couple, they may have another round of stuff changes happening. I don't, I haven't, don't remember if I've heard one or the other. Um, so, but a lot of the things that they change, like McLaren and Mercedes had done this a couple of years ago too. Sometimes they'll fully change like the side pods because they'll realize that like what they thought they were going to get aerodynamically is, is coming up completely differently. Cause you can change those usually without changing a lot of the, parts that are very restricted that you can only use so many a year or you can only swap them out at certain times or whatever. Um, so aerodynamic changes are the kind of thing that you can make that can potentially give you a pretty significant performance boost, but that are easier to do within the rules. Okay. That makes sense. Still a little farther away than I would like from somebody gaining the ability to throw turtle shells, but yeah, video. Okay, so that that is an excellent question, though. Which team is the most likely to try to develop a way to throw turtle shells? I mean, it's Red Bull, but like other than that, even I know it would be Red Bull. Right, like like aside from the obvious answer that anything like that is always going to be Red Bull. What does Red Bull, I, I disagree. Uh, what does Red Bull need turtle shells for? What does Red Bull need anything? They don't give a shit. Red Bull is the Alabama of Formula One. They want to beat you by as much as they can possibly beat you. So they will do whatever if they think it's going to get them an extra half a second. Whether they need half a second or not. Yeah, they'll be seven seconds ahead of you, but they'll, they'll want that extra half of a second to make it seven. Right, right. So Max can shoot you out the back of his car with the green shell? Correct. Yeah, Red Bull races like they think it's like uh, international soccer I'm tournament rules. I'm angry about rules. this now. I know. 
But Red Bull, Red Bull races like it's international soccer, and there's like a, a goal, like a run differential or goal differential well, scoring I mean, involved. Good. I appreciate that. I mean, I guess whatever. I don't, I don't fault them for it. I just find it really boring. But and that was a thing that I liked, you know, about the Yankees in the day. Um, was the yeah, fuck you. Um, spend more money if you want to keep up with us, dipshits. Like, you know, right? And I and I I'm generally in favor of we are going to beat you by as much as we can possibly beat you because fuck you. That's why. Like, yeah. I'm not against that. You uh, are a Florida Gators fan after all. Right. Right. Don't like it. Play better. Like this is not. <laughs> if you don't want me to. If you don't want me to keep scoring, then you should stop me. That is how this works. Mm-hmm. Um, my my only issue with Red Bull is that I again I just find it boring, and that's the problem with sort of the format of it being the same ten teams with the same twenty drivers every fucking day. Is it's like if you had to play a team of twenty five or twenty six. It's not used to that. It's like you had to play a team of 26 Shohei Otanis every day. You would get tired of it at a certain point. Not immediately. At first it would be very cool and like novel. And after a while it would be like, I am so done. Like this is not entertaining anymore because it's the same fucking ass beating every week. <laughs> what did you, although my, my thing is with the team of the team of 26 Otanis is if, okay, Okay, we're. I'm really. I'm, I really want to dig into this hypothetical because oh, now, Let's do now, this. now I'm curious about it. If you had a team of 26 Otanis, would at some point the like would they all pitch identically, or would like they each, are they independent people essentially, or is it like you make 26 clones of Otani that have no free will? Right. And it's exactly the same as normal Otani because I think a team of 26 Otanis would not be as good as we think it is because at some point you'd realize you're facing the same pitcher for everything. Right. And, and just like, and just like figure them out after a couple of games. Like right. at a certain point. Yeah. I, or is it like, it's just a is question. it an Otani verse? Like, <laughs> is it an Otani verse? Is there like Maybe. blonde Otani, like with frosted tips? Well, and I kind of love the idea actually now, Jordan, that I kind of love the idea of like, if it is 26 independent Otanis with free will, like if you're like the closer, do you just like fuck around and get weird? And so then it's, and like come up with an extra pitch or like decide you can throw a couple I miles mean, an hour harder or like whatever. What I'm asking is, 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 does this mean I get an Otani with a knuckleball? I think yes. I think yes. Yeah. I think that at a certain point in this scenario, you would end up with uh, infinite Otanis. You would end up with all of the conceivable yeah, variations. I, 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 I would actually like Otaniverse, where it's like multiverse Otanis, where it's like... Right. Each of them's good. At, like, we've got like Ricky Henderson Otani. Who's like really fast? See, okay, but I'm realizing that the problem with this comparison I've created is that Otani is way too much fun. 
the, the comp is really more like, what if you had 26? I don't know. Who's the best? 26 Paul Goldschmidt's. Like, 26 of the best but least interesting baseball player you can think of. I think... Yeah, I think that would get old. But I think that that would get old in a way that Formula One cannot. Um, because of, of what we're into. Um, which is all the other stuff with all the other teams. Yeah, every everybody's racing for second. Um, sometimes the bronze medal game is the most fun one to watch in a tournament. Right. Uh, well, and but also... Oh, go ahead. I would say, I feel like my issue, my biggest issue here is not even necessarily that Max wins everything. Like, yeah, it's boring, but whatever. Like, the nature of the sport is that unless you are, like, a Mercedes or Red Bull fan, you are paying attention to what's happening in the midfield or back. Um, I just feel like the TV production has not kept up with the reality of the sport. Like, they got so used to the Max and Lewis Hamilton battle, or they got so used to, like, that being the novelty that they haven't caught up with the fact that that is boring now. Like they haven't adjusted to the fact that there is not really anything to pay attention to at the front of the race. Most of the time right now. How different is that from the problem that the NBA has? I mean, not not very probably like, I think that's sort of the, I mean, it was the same thing. It's the same thing when you end up with the Yankees on, uh, Sunday night baseball for the eighty third time. That you're just like, why are we doing this? I, or when there is another team on Sunday night baseball and they're just talking about the Yankees anyway. Right, right, whatever it is. Or you know, it's honestly like you know when again, like like we were talking about, it's like Alabama. It's like the same the same four teams at the like the same like set of teams or like same rotating set of teams at the top of the college football playoff. Right. And hopefully that changes with an expanded playoff, but it probably won't. No, I mean, realistically, it won't. It won't. But also, I'm fine with that because uh, college football is a vast and beautiful universe that contains multitudes. And the fun thing about bowl season being bananas and there being 8 million of them and you have, and you being able to be bowl eligible, it's like a very mediocre team is that there's always something to root for. There's always something to be entertained by. There's all of these individual conference championships. There's all of these bowl games. There's that rivalry game that might not really mean anything in the grand scheme of things that season, except that it always really means something like there. I will put it this way, right? Uh, Florida beat Auburn on the day I was born, literally as I was being born. I was born at like 4.30 in the afternoon. Um, My mom could literally hear the game going on like while she was in labor. This is a fact that I know about the day I was born. I know basically nothing else about the day I was born other than the date. Those are the two things I know about the day I was born. I know the day, I know the time, because it's on my birth certificate, and I know that Florida beat Auburn. That's it. That's it. 
So like you, college football gives you those moments where in the grand scheme of things, that doesn't matter. Like neither of those teams won a national championship that year. Like, are you damn it, young it really matters. That, that your baby picture then has like a, a little gators. Uh, um, I came home from the hospital in a onesie that said baby gator with the gators logo on it, which is, is still somewhere in the, in a hope chest or something in my parents' house. That's awesome. But like, that is the oh. unique variety of crazy that is college football, particularly in the South. Um, that no doesn't care whether you won a championship or not. There is always some weird shit. It's like that Pitt West Virginia game. Like, yeah, it does not matter whether either of those teams are good. That shit is going to one mean a hell of a lot to people who've watched those teams and two be entertaining as shit for the rest of us. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, that's why Thanksgiving weekend is so fun. Like, I mean, Alabama's have been good right. for, you know, for so long now, but there was a time when they weren't right. um, through, through a lot of my youth, my youth. Um, but the right. Iron Bowl was still on TV every year, always entertaining as right. hell. If if right. you're lucky enough to watch the Egg Bowl, like that's even more fucking nuts, right? Um, because you're dealing with schools and those who teams, just are fundamentally functioning from a place of deep seated hatred, and I think that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like. What does Mississippi care about? What does Mississippi State care about? Other than beat Mississippi State and beat Ole Miss. That's it. That's, That's it. it. That's where it begins and ends. <laughs> I love it. Because college football is like, you always have that, that question in, in baseball. Um, you know, would you rather you know, your team go 162-0 or the team that you hate go 0-162? And you're like, right. all right, well, that's that's not there, realistic. There's never what I want. an answer for that is the thing. Like, No. What I you, want you is, is my football little. team to go 1-11. Uh, and 11. But th- that one makes right. you 11-1. and one. Right. Get right. fucked. Right. And you have to just sit with that. Yeah, live with that for the rest of and the honestly, year. I I think that 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 does explain as you know not not that it wasn't already clear, but like that's what makes the the Giants Super Bowl over the Patriots the first one, right? Just the most special. Like, there's not another experience that I will have as a fan that will trump uh, my team. I can't believe I just used that as a verb. I'm using it in the bridge parlance. And also the shit on the New England Patriots parlance. Because that was funny as hell. Right. Right. That was funny as hell. Um, It it reminds me, speaking of the other Giants, that um, I was obviously very, very upset that they lost the NLDS in 21. Because that was... Mm -hmm. It was such a good team. Ended up being Buster Posey's last year. I'm very glad I didn't know he was retiring at the time they lost the NLDS or I would have needed to go be very heavily medicated for a while. Um, But fundamentally, uh, 
they made the Dodgers' lives miserable all fucking year and still beat them for the division. And then the Dodgers turned around and flat out said, yeah, no, we, we lost the NLCS because we were fucking tired. Mm-hmm. Because we mm-hmm. had to run our goddamn asses off to not get bounced at every moment prior to this. And we just, we had nothing left. We were out of gas by that point. Which, great, thank you. I won the World Series right now. That's it. That's all I want. I ruined your life. (laughs) That is, as much as anything, the hope that I have for the Mets this year. Like, the the top line hope. Somebody shit up. Get the third wild card. Beat the Phillies in the first round. Then at least play Atlanta so freaking tough that they lose in I guess in the world in, you know, in, in the LCS. So that's the structure. Now is the wild card series that the division. Right. I'm still like confused by this and that's ridiculous. I know I have to playoff, I have to keep like really thinking about how that all works. Cause it's at the same time that the NFL added another team too. So, like, the six-team reference that we once had is now gone. Like, there's only one buy in the NFL, and there's two buys in baseball. Right. And the whole and look, let's be real. The whole thing of, of Wild Card Weekend and bye weeks and all of that is kind of absurd anyway. Like, it's just sort of very funky if you're not used to it. So then when you start adding it but tweaking it, like, now I can't remember which one is which because you've given me two different structures of basically the same thing. Yeah. Just tell me when it's on TV, and I will root against um, the super villain teams that I want to root against. And to me, it's any team I don't like is an absolute super villain. Fuck. So that that was the thing that was that really uh, struck me about that. Uh, the like, what is your opinion of? Do you have a favorable opinion of this team, or however the fuck they phrased it? That's the thing that really struck me as I was going through those. As I was like. Wow, fuck all of you, actually. There are, like, other than the teams that I actually root for, there are, like, five teams in baseball that I'm like, yeah, they're cool. Everybody else is like, fuck you specifically. Get off my lawn and eat shit. Like, it's, it's like, literally the Giants and the Yankees, like, Orioles, Mets. Uh... Maybe that's it. I can't really think of anybody else specifically right now. There are individual players I like on other teams. But, like, as I would root for you in, like, a hypothetical scenario where you're not playing my team, that's pretty much it. Everybody else, either I have no opinion of you or I hate you. And if I have no opinion of you, it means I hate you as soon as you appear as an opponent. It means I just can forget you exist up until that point. Yeah, I passively hate you. That's right. That's a fair way to go about it. Um, I don't hold enough hate in my heart to hate that many teams. Well, and that's the thing. It's like it's not even really that's, like like the teams that I actually like really have strong negative feelings for. It's a pretty short list in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. It's like mostly like, the divisional pains in the ass and like the Cardinals and. 
I want to say the twins for personal reasons, but also I just can't because they're so pathetic that like it feels a little mean. Um, It's just like I have no, I have like a, a, a disdain for basically everyone else. I don't hate them. I'm just like, meh, whatever. And this is how I was raised too, is like we hated the Dodgers for reasons somewhat unclear, largely I think Tommy Lasorda related. Um, it wasn't to do reason. with them leaving Brooklyn because my family was not Dodgers fans when they were in Brooklyn. Um, they were Giants fans who had come from the Bronx to Brooklyn. I don't know how any of that shit worked, and I really wish I could ask the people who are dead now. Um, oh. But yeah, we, we hated the Dodgers. This is when I was four, so this was 1985. Like My first memory of baseball was that year's LCS. Uh, rooted against the Dodgers successfully, um, which meant rooting for the Cardinals, which by 1987, when I was six, I knew to absolutely not do. Correct. Um, and the, did root for the Twins in that World Series. Those Dodgers Cardinals matchups are just, they're brutal for me, particularly. Like, oh they're, they're the most aggressively, like, team meteor. If the stadium fell into the ocean right now, it would be fine. Like, there is no good outcome when it's those two. If, if I have to see another, like, Dodgers-Astros World Series, too, God, I, just, I, I can't. No. I can't. I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. You can't make me do it. The other team in 1985 that I was brought up to hate was the Kansas City Royals because George Brett was a dirty cheater. That's true. That's true. That's fair. My mom continued to hold that against the Kansas City Royals long after George Brett was retired, long after they were irrelevant. Um, I respect that, though. I that's a kind. I of, saw George of, Brett right. during the 2014 World Series um, in, in a in a stairway, and my mom expressed her displeasure that I didn't tell him off for having had too much pine tar on his bat 31 years earlier. Oh my god, I love that. Did, didn't they eventually like like prove like prove that he didn't have too much pine tar in his bat too? Like he wasn't even. No, no, he absolutely did. It was it was one of those. It was much much like the tuck rule. It was um, except that in well, actually, also in this case, they kind of made it right by replaying you know by replaying the game with the home run counting as it should have. But it was a badly written rule. Right. And, and that was... Um, yeah, like, like So it was one of those where it should have been like, yeah, tough luck, screw you. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll uh, make it right next time. But um, the American League president um, had beef with George Steinbrenner. Um, <laughs> surprise, surprise. And, Shocker. Uh, that was that was part of the reason that the uh, Royals protest of the game was allowed, and then uh, the Yankees made a mockery of it by uh, giving Ron Guidry his appearance in center field, and Don Mattingly playing second base. 
I have to say, uh, I respect that a lot. The 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 fuck you of it all of just being like, okay, fine, we're gonna put fucking Ron Gendry in, in the outfield because why are we doing this? This is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, they also the the other fuckery of Billy Martin that is legendary from the resumption of the Pine Tar game uh, with the home run counting is that Billy Martin had an appeal play at every base. Um, to question whether Brett had touched those bases. Oh my and god. The league had the umpires there with a notarized letter from the league office saying that yes, Brett had touched every base. Oh my god. Um they they, they were brought prepared. receipts. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Um, okay. I, I I am I, I am a baby. Um, mm-hmm. My age. What what is too much pine tar even supposed to like do to you? Like do to your bat? Like how does it make you better at swinging? Well, it's not going to make you better at swinging, but it can change the way the bat's going to come off the ball theoretically. Oh, okay. It's going to come off the bat theoretically. I, I think. Yeah, I mean, much like. Yeah, the pitcher gets the extra velocity with the with the sticky stuff, um, or the extra the extra spin rate maybe that comes with that. Yeah, that I mean, I don't extra action. Yeah. Again, I don't know what the what the theory on this would be forty years ago. Why, like that that rule could be down to something like there was fucking World War One. They rationed pine tar. And so they wrote a rule about how much pine tar you could use and it held yeah. up until 1983 when finally the right. the courageous Kansas City Royals stood up to the law. Uh, it's not that, but who knows? Um, I could, I could see it. your bat does not make it do anything better. Um, there's still well, no, that's not against that's not true, though. Swinging a swinging a lighter bat that is equally hefty, otherwise, like if it's got the same dimensions of otherwise, it's absolutely going to change the way you swing. You're going to be able to get through the zone faster. You can get through the zone faster, but you're bringing less weight to the to the force of the ball. Sure. And force, yeah. I mean, there's there's not a lot. Yeah, bat speed it, it does make a big difference. I think it probably really depends on the hitter too. But like, yeah, you're not like getting enough. It's going to be the bigger bat. advantage for you. Um, I was just curious. And I think well, so. That's the go- speaking of cork bats, though. That's the funny thing. It's it's like it has gotten people in so much trouble, and it's also like okay, but like why really? Like I understand that it can make a difference, but like how much of a difference? Not not enough for you to do this shit. Like I was reading something about not. a cork bat is as actually probably more detrimental to you because of the fact that it's going to break easier. And that's true. Yeah, that makes it's sense. Lighter, your swing speed is faster because it's lighter, but it's also like there's not as much um, weight behind it. So it, right, cork bat is like in all terms neutral, but you know. Yeah, you don't you don't want to be making a bat of cork, you know. Let's let's stick a cork in this discussion because none of us really knows, and we can get some. We know enough people from the internet 
We do know do that know. people from the internet. And who can tell us uh, more about cork bats and why they do or do not work and why they're certainly not worth it. We can all agree on that. Um, the other the other thing was I was watching some of that 1987 World Series um, for a, a project that is doing here, Project 84, uh, following the career of Keith Atherton, who pitched in the uh, 1987 World Series with the Twins. Uh, but what struck me here, and I'm, I want to mention it here because I don't know if I will write about it in the context of the Keith Atherton piece, is um, I will text it to you both now. It, it is a promo shot uh, during Keith Atherton's appearance uh, in the 1987 World Series during Game 5, which the Cardinals were winning because it was in St. Louis and the home team won every single game in that series. Um, and the Twins um, have not, well, th that we'll get to. Uh, the Twins have never won a World Series game on the road since they moved to Minnesota. They haven't been in one since 91, but never have. Uh, so here is this. It is uh, ABC Sports coming up Sunday, live 3.30 Eastern. The McDonald's Basketball Open. Soviet National Team versus Milwaukee Bucks. Oh from my Milwaukee, God. Wisconsin. As opposed to the Milwaukee Bucks from some other location. Well, they're broadcasting from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Is the, ah, it, it wasn't a different right. different uh, strike font or white font for from Milwaukee. I, I do. I see that now. Got it. That's so 80s. I just love it. I, I, the Soviet I, I just... That that just hits a very specific uh, aesthetic for me, of that, just that very particular like what for me was childhood sports broadcast like the whole just the vibe. Yeah, and what I what I'd like to think about now is if they were broadcasting that back in the Soviet Union, like here's the tour of our national team in in America. Um, what concept do you think Soviets in the 1980s would have of the Milwaukee Bucks? When we know that... Uh, oh my god, right? Like, Giannis, 30 years later, barely knew who they were when, when he got drafted by them. I guess he didn't really know about America. He knew about the Milwaukee Bucks. Right. But like, you know... What is the cultural spread of the Milwaukee Bucks uh, behind the Iron Curtain? Not, nothing. At, I think I think they'd be like this is this is like dinky little team from a city we've never heard of in in a state we've never heard of that is completely inconsequential to the the Cold War in any way. To where they'd be like, oh, the 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 Soviet national team is going to steamroll the Milwaukee Bucks. Well, I, I mean, the Soviet national team is going to steamroll was going to be their take on it regardless. They could have been playing, I don't whoever. Right. That, right. Would, have, that mean, would have been the take. Right. But it's not like the Lakers or like the Knicks where it's like, you know, you're, you're considering the fact that like, okay, they, they, they've probably heard of those teams or, or the Celtics, I guess, too. It's like they've probably heard of those teams because they're good basketball teams. But 
it's like the Bucks you'd think are like, especially in the eighties, like like the equivalent of a of a minor league baseball team. Soviet Union with so, oh, which makes here, you wonder like in fact were the Soviets here, like really here are the teams. Here are the teams from the uh, from the McDonald's Basketball Open in 1987. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. They were the host club and ninth place in the 1986-87 NBA season. I'm not sure exactly how that's determined, but they were they were qualified for the McDonald's Basketball Open as hosts. Uh, the Soviet Union, as finalist of EuroBasket 1987. Not sure why that qualified them. Not as winner of, but as finalist of. And uh, Trosser Milano, champions of the 1986-87 FIBA European Champions Cup. Scores of these games. <clears throat> Milwaukee Bucks, 123. Trosser Milano, 111. Uh, this was preseason for them in Milwaukee. Okay. Uh, and then on October 24th, the following day... Uh, Soviet Union uh, whooped up on Trosser Milano, 135-108. So the Bucks then get Soviet Union on the second game of a back-to-back. October 24th, October 25th, the Soviets get the Sega Baba, and uh, the Bucks destroy them, 127-100. This thing was rigged. <laughs> it's rigged. The, hey, the Italian hey, team Look, there, it's good to be the host, okay? Yeah. Um, Bob McAdoo and Mike D'Antoni playing for Trosser Milano there. Oh my god, Mike D'Antoni. <laughs> this has some real some real WBC vibes of like the roster being just a little a little questionable. That is an old Bob McAdoo too. 1987? He's oh, 36 yeah. at that point. He's practically dead. He's, well, he had last played in the NBA a, a couple of years before. Uh, Trosser Milano became Olympia, wait, Olympia Milano. Yeah, there are some shenanigans happening here. I'm going to be on to you, 1987 McDonald's basketball. Did he become Olympia Milano at some point? <laughs> well, I mean, the, the Bucks sure showed them who's boss, so. It's true. We had uh, this. This is who was representing the United States uh, on this grand international stage of the McDonald's Basketball Open <laughs> in Milwaukee. The Bucks roster, including uh, Jack Sikma, Randy Brewer, Paul Pressey, tournament MVP Terry Cummings, uh, and Paul Mokeski, coached by Del Harris. We we sent Del Harris to the international stage to wow sure. them with his hair. And, uh, oh, shit, yeah, the helicopters are back, so they found me talking about the 1987 Soviet Union. Uh, they know that I know that um, it is rigged. You know too much, Jesse. They, they gave the Soviets a schedule loss. <laughs> and McDonald's, uh, that's how McDonald's got into Russia. <laughs> oh, my God. That's, that's the fall of the Soviet Union. It starts... With the second game of a back-to-back in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, in the preseason. That's so many terrible, 
uh, events in history do. All bad things can be traced back to Milwaukee Bucks preseason basketball. Uh, I, I, is- will, I will say that this, to me, this furthers my contention that perhaps we have evolved past the need for the central divisions. Perhaps that is also true in basketball. Perhaps. Maybe, maybe we just uh, don't need sports there for a while. Like, what are they bringing to the table, really? Drugs? Yeah. Like, good to have uh, on the table. I, I, I love Yannis, so that nothing, nothing against him particularly, but. Wait. Who are we talking about? Because I was talking about the Russians bringing drugs to the table. I mean, the Russians probably did bring drugs to the table, I'm guessing. Sure. It's the 80s that they almost certainly did. Yeah, I mean, I mean, okay, statistically, it was my... the 80s. No, everyone probably brought drugs to the table, for being honest. The great McDonald's cocaine open of 1987. Basically, yeah. I'm just gonna assume. Like, look, you're you're in Milwaukee and it's preseason. You have nothing else to do. Come on, we know what happened. Yeah, I mean, you know, and then the, I guess afterward they got to watch the Minnesota Vikings on Monday Night Football because I learned that if there was a Game Seven of the World Series, um. That, that game would be moved from Sunday to Monday because they needed the Metrodome for the World Series. Ah. Multi-use um, stadiums. Not, they were not a good idea. I don't know why we thought they were. Um, we should not do that again. So it is a not unreasonable expectation that uh, Alexander Bolkov and Sarunas Marshalunas um, – were exposed to Minnesota Vikings football. I, I feel like that might be against the Geneva Convention somewhere. Was this also during how at what time of 1987? Uh, placement players. 1987. Oh God! NFL season. Um. The NFL Not only did they strike. get subjected to the Minnesota Vikings. The games for weeks four, five, and six were played with replacement players. Wait, uh, wait, there were Minnesota no Minnesota Vikings. Though. Yeah, but I'm saying on Monday Night Football, maybe they're like at the airport on their on their way back. I, I don't like that becomes a national oh, yeah. TV game. That's true, because that was on ABC. Although you never know what it, I mean, they also have the potential to be, um, you know, eaten by Jeffrey Dahmer too. This is a <laughs> this is a real mixed bag for these poor basketball players. That's like exactly in Milwaukee, that's like that's like the height of the the height of Jeffrey Dahmer. Right. Yeah. So this is week six, October twenty sixth, the day after they've lost to the Milwaukee Bucks on the second day of the back to back. Russians are there waiting at the airport to go back to the Soviet Union. They're watching the Denver Broncos lose 34-27 to the replacement player Minnesota Vikings. 
Wow. A Vikings team that um, missed the playoffs, it looks like. Oh, no, they made it. They went to the NFC Championship and lost to Washington. That's too bad for them. But that's what they do. Looking forward to that. Uh, so yeah, let's, let's go out plugging somebody else's work. Um, that I'm looking forward to is um, the, uh, the Dorktown video that they're going to have on the documentary on the history of the Vikings following up on their histories of the Falcons and Seahawks. Uh, Falcons and Mariners, I mean. Uh, I'm talking about doom and misery and, and all of that. And, uh, <laughs> there but for the grace of... Uh, a couple of championships uh, that are lucky bounces go pretty much all of us. It's, uh, it's true. It's true. It is. We're souls fans of those teams. Um, See, and that just goes to show that the lucky bounces mean that your team is uh, morally superior to the one that you beat because clearly you had to have some sort of assistance from the universe there. I, unlike David Stern, the Milwaukee Bucks, um, and the McDonald's Corporation, are not I'm not responsible for the domino effect chain reaction um, that resulted from their scheduling shenanigans um, to lead to the society that we're in today. I'm not taking the heat for that. <laughs> That's fair. I don't I, think you should have to. I just want to enjoy um, watching Red Bull somehow fuck up. It's going to happen. They're going to lose a race. It's going to happen. Somebody outraces them, but because they get too far out over their skis. Oh, yeah. It's, it's gonna, not going to matter. It's going to be something really stupid. At all. But I can't wait. And I hope that it happens before college football season because I don't think that I'll be able to handle um, a, a weekend of like both Red Bull and Ohio State losing. Um, it's too much for I need one person to take. One to happen before the other. Yeah. And I need yeah, Ohio State to lose as quickly as possible at all times. Um, but that is weeks away. This has been an unexpected. Um, F1, college football, baseball, and everything else show. <laughs> that's what we, but that's what we do. So it's, it's entirely what we do. Um, Jordan from the internet, do you have anything else this fine evening? I don't think so. Britt, how about you? Uh, nope, that's all I got. Yeah, we're all shouted out. That's about right. Glad that uh, I was able to find a spot with some. Uh, actual reception to make my internet work and make this show a thing. Alright, that's it for us. We'll talk to you next time. See you.